0: good evening everybody and welcome to the bible thumper podcast where somebody's got to say it my name is patrick hayes your regular host and today it's a little bit different i am actually the guest on someone else's show There is a podcast out there called The Good with Kevin Thomas. You can look that up anywhere. You can find a podcast and you can go ahead and check that out. It's a radio program out on the East Coast. And I was invited to be a guest on that show. So we're going to stop right here and we're going to play the audio from that show. Once again, please check out the podcast called The Good with Kevin Thomas. That's where you can find the original. And this is the interview that happened there.
1: Welcome back to The Good with Kevin Thomas. I am Kevin Thomas. And uh, our next guest is Pastor Patrick Hayes, host of the Bible Thumper podcast. Now, he wasn't always a believer in Christ. In fact, uh, if if I'm not mistaken, he started off as an atheist. And uh, he's had to deal with a lot along the way. Uh, including uh, time behind bars as well. Uh, So we're so grateful to uh, Patrick for joining us today to share his story with us. So, Patrick, thank you for joining us here on The Good with Kevin Thomas.
0: Yeah, Kevin, thank you very much for having me. Um, I guess uh, you want me to just kind of start from the beginning and, and tell you the story? Yeah.
1: I mean, what was your childhood like? Like, What adversity did you face uh, during that time?
0: Well, I'll be honest with you. My story is a little different than a lot of folks that go through addiction, alcoholism, drug addiction, things like that, in that my, my childhood was not one of abuse. It was not one of alcoholic parents, to be honest with you. My, uh, my family kind of a little bit further back had some alcoholics in it. And because of that, my dad never wanted to touch the stuff. I never saw my dad take a drink in his life. Um, you know, for me, I started uh, drinking and doing drugs when, when I was in high school. And a little bit of it was uh, curiosity. And a lot of it was just, um, I, I really didn't fit in anywhere. Uh, I, I at the time I didn't really understand what it was, but I was definitely uh, battling with a little bit of depression. Uh, you know, I I didn't know who I was. I was uncomfortable in my own skin. Um, I wasn't. I was a little socially awkward. wasn't real good at, say, uh, making friends. You know, and fitting in anywhere. And w- what I found was there was a subculture that was more than happy to have me come on by. And those were folks that were into uh, drugs, you know, and I remember uh, when I first started and that was about 15 years old, which I think was kind of typical of kids back in the 90s. You know, when I was in high school, uh, that was probably the first time maybe we would uh, be introduced to drugs and have the chance. Uh, Today, you know, unfortunately, that age is getting younger. But for me, it was uh, opportunity and curiosity met, And I remember uh, I was with a buddy at his house and there were no parents home and, you know, and he smoked pot and asked me if I wanted to try some. And I said, yeah, you know, that sounds real good. And uh, right from that first time, uh, I'll tell you what, all that uh, insecurity, all that awkwardness and loneliness and, you know, and depression, I didn't have to deal with it for a couple hours and it was wonderful you know, and that kind of started me on my way. And pretty quickly, um, I found out that now I had an activity that I could get into every weekend, you know, and, and I went to a, uh, I went to a private school. It was a uh, high school. Um, it was a Catholic high school. I, I was raised Catholic, uh, never had much understanding of, of God of the Bible. To be honest with you, I never even held a Bible till I think I was like 20 years old and someone gave me one. But um, because of that, uh, we knew people from towns all over northern New Jersey. And there was always some kid who in their town, there was some parents that were out of town and there was going to be a party there. You know, so all of a sudden, I found myself, I had friends, I had something to do. And I, I kind of felt like I fit in somewhere. And for whatever reason, I took to it a lot faster than a lot of people did. You know, I, uh, I found out, uh, well, if I like this feeling, then I'd probably like it on the weekdays as well as the weekends. And then pretty quickly I found out, you know, as a teenager would, uh, drugs are expensive. So pretty quickly I had to remedy that. So I started dealing drugs. Um, You know, after that, I found out that I used more of my supply than I sold, and that wasn't really working. Uh, So I started, uh, you know, running little scams, uh, wherever I went. And it was, you know, I wasn't a criminal mastermind, I just needed a little bit more money to, to keep doing drugs and keep drinking. You know, so I would, I would run scams at the gas station I worked at, I would run a scam wherever I could to, you know, to lie, cheat and steal to, get some more drugs and pretty quick I was getting fired from every job I had you know I uh, my family wasn't trusting me I got expelled from one high school I got a DUI I mean it just started going downhill pretty quick but for me the idea of stopping never really entered my mind I mean I I never thought that my drinking and drug abuse was the problem I figured, there was a problem with my parents and there was a problem with the folks I worked for and there was a problem with the police. So, you know, this, this continued for several years. And I'll tell you what, you know, we lived, I don't know, 25 miles over the New York City border. So it wasn't good because the types of drugs I was using just continued to get worse and worse and harder drugs. And, you know, my favorite drug I often joke with people was whatever you had, you know, and, and I've been through recovery and and I've been clean and sober for over 20 years now. So I look back on these days and, and everyone in recovery, we joke about it a little bit because you kind of have a dark sense of humor, you know, but while it was going on, it was, it was a mess. I mean, nobody could trust me as far as you could throw me. Um, I started, you know, breaking into homes and breaking into cars and burglarizing things. And, and it was always just to uh, get enough money to keep up my habit. You know, that was it. I was always broke, you know, no matter how much drug dealing I did or, or, or how many scams I ran, I never had, you know, two cents to my name because they all went to, you know, continue my habits. But I ended up kind of running out of, Every place to go and every place to get a job, and you know, and I, I was failing out of school, and and this was my senior year of high school, and I was, I was doing, I was, I was doing bad. I, I wasn't going to get credit for one single class, and I finally, uh, my parents kicked me out of the house, and they said, you know, we've had enough. We're not helping you. That's the end of it. Um, and they said, uh, you can go to rehab. That's your only choice. So you want to pack up right now? We got your bags packed for you. Uh, you can either walk out the door and good luck to you or uh, you can go to rehab right now. That's your choice. So, so I went to a, uh, to a drug rehab. I had no desire whatsoever to get clean or sober. I didn't want to stop drinking. I didn't want to stop doing drugs. And when I got there oh. and, and I started, uh, you know, answering some questions and talking to people in, in the groups, I was faced with several questions and, And one of them was, hey, you know, do you have any problems in your life? Are you struggling with anything that you need help with? Well, my answer was, sure, I can't keep a job, and I got, you know, expelled from high school, and my parents kicked me out of my house, and nobody trusts me, and I've been, by that time, I'd been in jail three different times: once in the state of New York, and twice in the state of New Jersey, uh, because out of all my criminal dealings, I was a lousy one, obviously, and and they asked me, they said, well, you know, what, uh, what's causing all this stuff? Why are you having these problems? And, uh, and I realized that I was drinking on the job. I was using drugs on the job. I was selling drugs on the job. I, you know, was dealing drugs in high school. I was underage drinking, you know, um, (laughs) driving while intoxicated. Every problem in my life came down to my substance abuse. Right. That's what I ended up realizing. And, and for the first time, it kind of woke me up, and I thought, holy cow, I'm a wreck. So I said to myself, I said, okay, that's it. I'm, I'm going to quit, and I'm going to do it just to show all these people that I can, and then I don't have a problem. You want to guess how long I lasted? How long? Less than 24 hours. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, I would have stepped over my own mother for a fix. I mean, I was – I it was it was a wreck i was shaking i i mean i i couldn't sleep that night i it it was terrible i couldn't believe what a grip it had on me so i thought to myself man this is bad i'm i'm in trouble and i i was about i was less than 90 days away from my 18th birthday okay so i went to rehab i was i was the youngest guy there i was the youngest guy in every aa meeting i went to i was the youngest guy in every NA meeting I ever went to. That's Narcotics Anonymous. And what happened was, uh, in this program, which was phenomenal. The rehab was wonderful. I still keep in touch with the folks back in New Jersey that were in, that ran this program. They were very helpful in my life. They told me, they said, look, when you get out of here, you have to have more support. You're going to have to start going to meetings. And I said, okay, so, so this is where it takes a turn. And I kind of, you know, get into, uh, my first introduction with God. Cause as I said, I, I was raised Catholic and it never made any sense to me. Okay. And I, you know, I, my parents made me go on Sunday, but that was all I knew about it. And, and I didn't, it didn't make sense to me. And I said, no, nah, I'm, I'm done with this. By the time I was 14 or 15, I said, I don't see God in anything. I'm an atheist. You know, I, I do not believe in God. And let me tell you that made for some real interesting discussions being that I went to a Catholic high school
1: but, right. Right.
0: But either way, I, I did not believe in God whatsoever. So I, uh, at my first meeting, this was my very first meeting. It was very small. There was only like four or five people in the room. And, um, you know, I was listening to these folks sharing and they, they asked me if I wanted to share and I wasn't really sure what to say. So I, I told them some of the stuff I was really stressed over and worrying about. Cause I had some charges I was facing and, and I had all these problems in my life and I, I had these bills piling up and I had no, I couldn't get a job and Anyway, a couple of the folks there, they said, man, Patrick, you need to pray about this. You, you got to give this stuff over to God. This, this stress is going to kill you. And I said, okay, well, I, I appreciate the advice. I said, but I don't believe in God. And this one old guy looked at me and he said, Patrick, you don't have to believe in God for him to hear your prayers. Right. And I thought, man, that makes sense. If there's a God, it doesn't matter if I believe in him he's going to hear my prayers regardless. So I thought, man, that just makes sense. So I went home and for the first time in my life, I got on my knees and I prayed and uh, I got up and I felt better. And I thought, man, that was great. And I started uh, doing that every day, every morning and every night I would just spend five or 10 minutes talking to God. And there's not been one time in over 20 years where I got on my knees and started praying and did not get up feeling better than when I got down on my knees. So what happened to me? Amen. was Yeah, I'm telling you, it it works. Uh, if, if someone doesn't believe it, just just run a little experiment. Go ahead and pray every day for 10 minutes in the morning and the evening. Do it for two weeks. I guarantee you're going to feel better. So anyway, I ended up, uh, I went off to college. I, I ended up getting... Uh, um, Right into meetings, uh, started going uh, to uh, AA meetings and NA meetings right right away. I found a good place in the dorms where I could go and have a roommate that was sober, and the the college really worked with me, and it was wonderful. And then after my first year, I uh, I called up my uncle who was a DEA agent uh, because I was going for criminal justice, and I wanted to uh, kind of give back. You know, I had ruined a lot of lives and a lot of. A lot of things with my drug use. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to do some good. I'm going to be a federal agent, work for the DEA, try to clean up this mess. And I called my uncle who worked there and he told me, uh, yeah, that's great. You know, keep in touch with me as you're going through school and we'll go from there. And I said, well, you know, I got to be honest with you. I had some problems with drugs over the last several years. And he said, okay, well, what kind of drugs were they? And uh, I was going to read off, you know, a long list. And the first one I listed, he said, Patrick, uh, change your major. We will never hire you. Wow. Yeah. And he told me furthermore, he said, look, FBI, CIA, DEA, no federal agency will ever hire you to be law enforcement because you can't do class one substances. We will not hire you. He said, change your major. Forget about it. It ain't going to work. And it was a crushing blow. Um, but I said, okay. And I went to school for one more year, tried to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I had absolutely no idea, but I, uh, I had a girlfriend and she had a few, you know, friends of hers that went to a different college and they suggested we should go out to Yosemite national park and work for the summer because it was a beautiful area and they give you room and board and you get to work in this nice place and they pay you peanuts. But you know, as a college kid for a summer job, it sounded great. So, so I went out there and um, I met this fella named Matt and Matt was out there with the campus crusade for Christ and uh, this guy moved out there with, you know, a, a couple dozen people with the Campus Crusade for Christ with the idea of putting on Bible studies and teaching people about Jesus and giving out Bibles. And anyway, he moved out there and his girlfriend broke up with him like the first day he moved out there. So he was pretty down and depressed and, and he didn't get much done that summer for the cause of Christ. He kind of just, you know, didn't have it in him. All the wind was out of his sails. But before the summer was over, he and I became friends and he gave me a little New Testament and he said, Patrick, do me a favor and read this. And he gave me a really ambiguous gospel presentation. I did not understand it, but God bless him, he tried. And uh, and I took that New Testament and I started reading that thing. And you know, obviously it's a New Testament. I start at the front of the book, right? That's how you read a book. So I was in the book of Matthew. Right. And everything I read in that book, I was like, man, this stuff is gold. Everything Jesus is saying, I would apply it to my life. I'd do what he said and my life would get better. I thought, man, this is amazing. So I continued doing this and doing this and reading through the Bible and um and the summer was over and I I moved back to New Jersey and I got a job and and I said, you know what? I need to get myself a uh, you know, the whole thing, the old and the new testament. And I went to a bookstore and I bought a full Bible and I started reading through it and Anyway, I uh, about a, about a year later, um, done reading through the Bible and I was traveling around the country a little bit working some odd jobs trying to figure out what I wanted to do and, and I ran out of money and I applied for a job uh, for the Department of uh, Corrections and that brought me to Colorado. I came here, I started going to church and uh, the church that I went to, um, they had a pastor that was, was just great. He gave me a very clear presentation of the gospel. Uh, I, I learned how it worked how Jesus did all the work on the cross for me. I uh, had nothing to do with what I do but everything you know uh, with uh, what Jesus did and and I got saved and then after that I got baptized and I, I was a young guy. I was not doing uh, drugs or drinking. Um, I was single and I didn't have a lot to do other than work so I spent a lot of time at church I volunteered you know, I started, uh, they, they gave me a class to teach. I was starting to teach the Bible to little kids, which was a lot of fun, you know, and it wasn't that hard, um, because they didn't know much of the Bible either. So, uh, I was able to fit right in, you know, and, and as I stayed with them, my responsibilities grew and I, and I really, uh, really just enjoyed my new life. And, um, uh, anyway, the pastor asked me, he said, Hey, Patrick, you know, uh, you're really great with this and, and we would like to, uh, to ask if you want to go to Bible college, you know, um, we well, think that maybe you should, should do this, you know, um, and ha- cause you're already doing everything. I mean, I was volunteering, I was driving the church bus and I was, you know, handing out, you know, uh, uh, bulletins when people walked in and, and I was teaching an adult Sunday school class now. And this was a couple years after being in the church. And they said you're young and 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 the Lord clearly has a hold of you. You know, do you want to go to Bible college? And I said, well, I, you know, it sounds good, but you know, I already got so much going on with work and and I'm engaged now. You know, and I'm I'm kind of past the age where people start. And the pastor said, hey, don't worry about it. We'll just we'll do it the old-fashioned way. Okay, before Bible colleges, we used to just train people in the church. He said, I'm just going to take you under my wing. I'm gonna teach you everything. I I remember he even set up kind of classes uh, that we would do in the evening every so often during the week. And um, and after uh, after a little while, they ordained me, and I started traveling around and and teaching the Bible at you know kind of smaller churches. When that pastor would go out of town for a for vacation or an out of town wedding or something, and they needed someone to fill in the pulpit. I was doing that and I, you know, I just, I just kept going. So then if you can believe it, we started a, uh, um, an addictions program. Uh, it was, wow, a, okay. yeah. <laughs> so we started yeah. a faith-based addictions program and my pastor, um, when he, when he heard about this, uh, he said, uh, Patrick, you're the guy, you need to start this up. You already know what you're doing. So we started that up. And uh, we started bringing Bible studies into the jail, and uh, it was it was just great, you know, it was really great. And then uh, shortly after that, um, we ended up uh, uh, looking for um, looking for another church. Um, I hate to say it, uh, we we kind of got hurt a little bit at the church we were at. Um, you know, and it, it was too bad, but I, I will tell people, um, you know, that's going to happen. Churches are made up of people. And unfortunately, you know, uh, we all don't do everything right or handle everything right. And we try to work yeah. out the situation, but we left amicably and, um, we found another church home. And then what happened was during the, uh, the whole COVID situation, uh, all these churches started shutting down. And, uh, we were, we were teaching a Bible study at our home at the time. And, um, you know, all these churches were shutting down in the state of Colorado and I had a bunch of folks ask us, they said, Hey, um, you know, Patrick, would you be willing to, um, change this Bible study and, and make it a church? And we just start meeting in your homes because they said, we want to go to church and our church has shut the doors and we have nowhere to go and we're not okay with that. And, right. uh, so my wife and I were in prayer about it and we felt good and, and we started a church just, uh, just under two years ago. And uh, we still meet in our home. Uh, we have a pretty big home because if you can get this, um, and I, and I kind of skipped over a lot because I'm, I'm not sure how much time I should be taking up. Um, it's all good. Okay, I met my wife, wonderful woman, still married. We just celebrated 16 years this last weekend. Uh, and we have six kids. So uh, we have five boys and one girl and um we i'm a general contractor as well i've been in construction you know kind of my whole life um to i don't know supplement my ministry habit and, uh, we built a house for all of us to live in, you know, about six years ago. So we built a pretty big house because we have a family of eight. So we needed a little bit of space. So, right. it, so it worked out great because, you know, now we have people come over here and we meet, uh, in our home for, uh, our church services. And, and it was about one month ago that we hit a high, I think we had 38 people, And, uh, it was kind of ridiculous. We had some kids sitting on countertops and there was standing room only, you know, and it was great. So we're right on the verge of having to, you know, rent out a space, uh, you know, or another church building or, a, you know, a little space in a strip mall or something and, and expand a little. So it's exciting, you know, but that's, that's where we are now. And, and I'll tell you what, um, back when I was using and I was doing drugs and drinking, When I first got sober, if someone gave me pad and paper and they said, Patrick, write down everything you want in the world, okay, your wildest dreams of what your life could be like. If I wrote down on a piece of paper and made a list and God gave me that, I would have shortchanged myself. Wow. Never in a million years could I have ever guessed how wonderful life could be and how blessed I am. I have the Beautiful. most, I have the most wonderful wife. I have the most wonderful kids. We, I have friends, I have family who loves me and trust me again. Um, my name in this town is golden you know, people talk about me as an honest businessman who does right. And this is a guy you can trust. And this is the guy you want to send to, you know, that old lady who's a widow, you know, because Patrick won't take advantage of her. And if they knew me over 20 years ago, that was the exact opposite. You know, like I said, I would have stepped over my own mother for drugs. Um, But that was a different guy. And after I got sober, and then when I got saved, you know, the, the fact that jesus paid for my sins and the holy spirit lives inside of me um I, i'm a new man today I, i'd like to say i'm i'm perfect like jesus is but i'm, I'm far from it but but the fact i gotta that- ask you a question oh jump in give me questions I, i've been talking too long and i love questions give no no, questions. no
1: no no believe me this is an amazing story and it deserves to be told and i'm so grateful for you being here uh Back when you were an atheist, back yeah, when yes, you sir. were using drugs, yes, sir. back when all of these trials and tribulations were happening
0: mm-hmm.
1: knowing what you know now, yeah, do you think that God was with you the entire time? One hundred percent.
0: I'm gonna give you a quick story, okay when i was when I was doing drugs, there's one place that I worked at. it was a pizza place, okay, and I was a dishwasher. I was like whatever sixteen or seventeen years old. And there was this one waitress, okay? Her name was Sherry. And Sherry was the age of my older sister, like two years older than me. And Sherry was a Christian. And it was so obvious, it was ridiculous. She never cursed. She was always smiling, always happy and in a good mood. She was the nicest person you ever met. Just a sweetheart, okay? I knew Sherry was saved. I had no idea what a born again Christian was at that point. Years later, I'm talking, you know, whatever, five, six, seven years later, I am saved and I am out in Yosemite National Park again, visiting, okay, just to see the place with a friend of mine. And I run into this girl, Sherry. Keep in mind, we both grew up in Northern (laughs) New Jersey, okay? The second most visited national park in America behind Yellowstone. And right. I turn the corner and I say, is it Sherry. And she looks at me and keep in mind, I'm much older. I was 16 then I'm, I'm now like whatever, 20 or 21. I have a beard and she's looking at me. I said, Patrick, and she, her eyes get big and she's like, oh, my soul. This is so great. And And she comes to give me a hug. And I said, Sherry, wait, I got to tell you something. I said, I got saved. And she bursts into tears and she gives me a big hug. And she said, Patrick, I have been praying for you to get saved ever since you were a little kid at that pizza place when I first met you. Oh, wow. I had people in my life that knew who Jesus was and were praying for me for so long. It was on, unbel- I had no idea. It was all behind the scenes. But God set up so many things that I could write off as coincidence where he protected me from making horrible, stupid decisions, where he, he steered and guided me to the right people at the right time. And I'll tell you what, I would pray for answers and God would bring an angel to show up out of nowhere and tell me the answer and keep in mind, I'm not talking about someone with a halo and wings. You know what I mean? (laughs) I just mean, God brought the right person as if it was a messenger from God, you know, which again, we could only say is coincidence where God would answer my prayers, give me the direction I needed, you know, and and I can see today that God was working behind the scenes. I, I mean, I would, I would say, you know, probably from the time that I was a child. And, and I'll tell you this. I often think, boy, what would my life be like if I never got into drugs and drinking? What would I? And I think that's the wrong way to look at it because the hardships that I have gone through today, I can bring you to dozens of people, hundreds of people that I have been able to help because they knew I was a drunk and a drug addict, and so were they. And they would listen to me where they wouldn't listen to someone else. And even the hard times that I went through, I mean, when you think about it, do you think Moses was happy or excited that he was a murderer in Egypt and had to flee into the wilderness for 40 years before he saw the burning bush and he got to go back? He could easily look back on that and say, oh man, what, you know, that was terrible. I just ruined my life. I had a good thing going, okay? But God had a plan and God wanted to use this man for a purpose and he did and he accomplished his will and and great things were done and I don't think that would have been the same you know the same case if he didn't have his experiences. I, I think it's the same with right. K- King David. I, I think it. And 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 forgive me. I'm not trying to compare myself to Moses or King David. Okay. Uh, no, I don't I, think you. I don't <laughs> think you are.
1: I don't think you are. I. I. I think it, it goes to show that that what the Bible has to say parallels so much of what we're going through right now. And uh, and uh, when you can find those parallels, those connections you draw even closer to God, you draw even closer to the word. So, and it makes more sense
0: for you, you know? Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely it. I I can see every mistake and every character in the Bible in my life. And, and I have the chance to learn from those. And I can see every time God uses someone in the Bible and I can see, you know what, Patrick, he could use you just like he uses those guys. They were nothing special. You know, they were, as a matter of fact, Moses and David were both murderers out of all the things I can say. That's one that I'm not aware I ever did. So that that's good. I got one thing going for me.
1: (laughs) I I, I gotta, I gotta ask this question uh, because I I, I think, uh, you know, your story is so compelling and it's so amazing. And thank God that you're still here to be able to share your experiences. What would you say? To those who are atheists and maybe even agnostic out there uh, about what faith can do?
0: Well, there, there's a couple of things. Number one, I would give everybody the challenge. Okay. I would say, look, if if there is a God who created the sun, moon, stars, and planets, and God has the ability and technology to do that, then that means that same God has the ability and technology to get us a message. And that is what we find in the Bible. And I would tell everyone take this challenge. Read the Bible one time. It's the it's the most all-time best-selling book in the history of the world. Right. Give it a shot. And and I tell people the easy place to start start in the book of Matthew. Maybe just because that's where I started but I think that's a good a place as any. And if nothing else, see what it has to say. Because I'll tell you what, when God prepared my heart, and I started reading that, I was moved. There is power in that book. There really is. On top of that, one thing you got to remember is if you're an atheist you have to ask, you have to be able to answer a couple questions. Okay. And this may sound silly. So, so give me a little latitude here, Kevin. Sure. Okay. So Kevin, let's say you're an atheist. All right. There's no God. That's what you believe. So let me ask you the question. Okay. You can play the part of the atheist. Kevin, do you know everything? No. So you're saying that you do not possess all the knowledge in the universe yourself. That's what you're saying. You don't know everything.
1: That's what I'm saying. No. Okay.
0: Let me ask you a follow-up question. Do you know half of everything? I, I couldn't even comprehend that. <laughs> but we're going to assume <laughs> you don't, right? You're going to say probably yeah. not. Okay. Let's pretend that you know half of everything. All the knowledge there is in the universe, you possess half of it. Is that fair for this conversation? That's what we're going to assume? Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, what if God is in the half that you haven't learned yet? Absolutely. See, wow. for, for us to say that we're an atheist and we know there is no God, it, it's an audacious statement because we're really saying that we know everything. We've turned over every rock and God was not under any of them. And the fact is, <clears throat> God could simply be part of the knowledge that's out there and the experience that's out there that we just haven't gotten to yet. So if nothing else, we need to at least be honest and honorable to ourselves and say, you know what, there might be a God out there, I just don't know, but it would probably be worth it for me to put in some amount of time and energy just in case he's real. Because if he is, well, then there are a lot of implications that I need to deal with. And that's what I would tell anyone in the Bible. Jesus said, asking, you shall receive seeking, you shall find knock and the door shall be open to you. And unfortunately, the reason these people have not found Jesus is because they have not asked, they have not knocked, they have not sought, they have not tried whatsoever. And, and that would be my challenge is give it a shot. Try praying every day for 10 minutes, every morning and every night. Okay, try reading the Bible, just get through one book, just Matthew that's it. I mean, it would, you know, if you're even a poor, slow reader, it's only going to take you a couple weeks. It's not that big of a book, but do at least that much. So you can be intellectually honest enough with yourself and say, Hey, I did look into it. Okay. It, I don't see God there. Okay. Well, what, what, what can I tell you? You gave it a shot. I believe personally that it is a promise that if you seek, you will find God will show himself to you. That's a promise from Patrick Hayes. And it's really not for me. I'm just quoting Jesus. Okay, but that's, a, <laughs> that is a promise from God that he will show you he will make himself known to you. Okay, just give a little bit of effort. What do you got to lose? You can you can if if you try that, and it doesn't work, I promise I will refund all of your misery. You can have it all back for free.
1: Patrick Hayes, I want to thank you for joining us on this program today. This has been enlightening. It has been inspirational. It's been one great hour. Uh, thank you so much for being here.
0: Absolutely. I appreciate it. Can I plug my podcast one more time before we go? Absolutely. Where can we find it? Okay, so anywhere podcasts are found, if you want to listen to lousy Bible teaching presented poorly. Find the Bible thumper podcast. All right. Bible thumper podcast. We're on YouTube. We're on Facebook. We're on Spotify, Apple, Google. We're just everywhere. So the Bible thumper podcast, we, uh, we get into controversial topics in the Bible and we have a lot of fun doing it.
1: Well, again, thank you so much for sharing your story, for sharing your experience and, uh, for sharing your faith. Uh, you know, uh, this, is, this is definitely a show that I'm not going to forget anytime soon. That's for sure.
0: Thanks for having uh, me, Kevin. So, uh,
1: take care. God bless. And uh, and uh, we'll hopefully we'll have you on the show again sometime.
0: Oh, I'd love to do it. This has been wonderful.
1: All right. So that is Patrick Hayes. Uh, and uh, I'm Kevin Thomas. We are going to wrap up the show. Uh, I want to thank all of you for joining me today. I hope that you got so much out of uh, the last uh, 40 minutes of the show. Uh, It has really been an honor. Uh, Patrick Hayes, again, thank you. And uh, God willing, we will have another episode of The Good coming up tomorrow at 2 right here on WRCR. Take care. God bless. Have a great rest of the day. Patrick, thank you again
0: happy to do it this was wonderful I, I really am grateful for the opportunity
1: all right well uh like i said I'll, I'll reach out to you in the future we'll keep in touch and uh you know uh, uh certainly would love to have you on the show again
0: oh yeah yeah uh, seriously this was so much fun i'd be happy to get on and talk about any subject you have
1: absolutely all right well god bless and take care all right
0: you too kevin bye-bye
1: bye